You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. But the narrative of Luke's gospel, it's not a science presentation. Luke's world was one where the supernatural was taken for granted. And in that context, the virgin birth narrative was an economic and political critique of Rome's predation and extraction. Welcome to episode 501. My name is Herb Montgomery, and our title this week is Subversive Narratives of Advent. Our reading this last weekend of Advent is found in the Gospel of Luke. It's the story of the angel's visit to Mary. It's found in Luke 1, 26 through 38, and it reads, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, his kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So, this is the only version of the Jesus story in our sacred canon where Jesus' mother Mary is explicitly characterized as a virgin. And some translations hint at this status in Matthew. There's debate there, but but here in Luke, it's explicit. And to wrap our heads around this narrative element, we need to first back up and look at the social context in which this story was originally written. I think we need to consider the, the larger themes of the Gospel of Luke, too. For, consider the audience for whom it was written for. And, and, and in our treatment, uh, we need to look at Rome and, 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 it's, uh, and the political context. We're talking about the restoration of the throne of, of David here and a reign over Jacob's descendants and a kingdom that will, will never end. This language is important and it's tied with, uh, again, the virgin birth. 
So in our treatment of Rome this week, I also want to say that I'm deeply indebted to the work of Walter Brueggemann on on this, uh, the specifics that we're going to talk about here. Uh, His book, Tenacious Solidarity, if you'd like to learn more about Rome's system um, than we have room for in this podcast, uh, but in spe- specifically in relation to our text this week, I want to uh, just recommend to and suggest that you go look at chapter two of that work again, it, uh, Tenacious Solidarity. But in Rome's economic system, money was being extracted from the commoners and being funneled into the various strata of the wealthy elite. And this created a a society in Judea where there were virtually where there was no middle class. The people were reduced to peasants who who kept getting squeezed, uh, becoming poorer and poorer, while the rich, the wealthy elites, they continued to become richer and richer. And as Walter Brueggemann explains, this was a system of economic extraction. And as we know, systems of economic extraction, they're, they're unsustainable. You can continue to squeeze the poor Uh, all you want, but you can't do so indefinitely. And at some point, that system, that exploitation, that extraction, at some point that system's going to break. And we know that this specific system that we're looking at this week, it did break and it broke violently in the late 60s uh, uh, in Judea. But but what we're reading in in Luke this week, it, it happens while... Again, there's this overtaxation and economic predation that that was it was just still going strong. The ruling elites of Jesus' society, talking about Herod and the priesthood, the, the scribes, the elders, the temple state, they were becoming wealthier and wealthier the more they complied with Rome's extraction system. They had actually just become a conduit enriching themselves a part of Rome's extraction system. Through taxes, through loans, through rents, the people were becoming debtors, and then as debtors, they were defaulting on those debts and being reduced to peasants. They lost their land, and, and that was through the inability to pay back, to repay their debts. And, and those debts were originally incurred just in order for them to survive, just scrape by. They were subsistence farmers. And if you had a bad season, well, th- then you were plunged into economic distress. They became dependent through their, their failure, their inability to repay their debts. They then became dependents on the very system that continued to take from them. And it was a downward economic spiral in which many of the people at the time that our story takes place this week, the people just felt helpless. And this is the, remember, this is the social, economic, political context in which the Gospel of Luke was written. This is the story. And this is why in Luke's Gospel, we meet figures like Zacchaeus, a tax collector, who was an integral part of this exploitative system. He had become wealthy himself as a result of being an integral part. And Luke introduces a few tax collectors in in Luke's version of the Jesus story. We find in Luke 3.12, Luke 5.27-30, Luke chapter 7, 29 and 34, Luke 15, verse 1, 
in Luke 18, 10 through 13. But the most infamous of all the tax collectors in Luke is Zacchaeus there in, in Luke 19. And when Zacchaeus encounters Jesus' teachings, though, and this is the point that Luke drives home, he chooses to reject that system that made him wealthy, and he embraces a love of people, embraces a path of restoration and reparations instead. And you can find that in Luke 19, verse 10. But in Luke's gospel, we learn what moved Zacchaeus to, to make these changes. It was Jesus's teaching of the kingdom. And remember, it was that kingdom that was referenced in our reading this week. And, and it was that kingdom that stood in the gospel of Luke in contrast to the Roman Empire. Though the, the language of kingdom, I think, is complicated for us today, and it challenges readers. It's patriarchal. It's monarchal. It's, it's not democratic. It's not egalitarian. But to its original audience, it would have been understood, as a, again, as a, as a contrast to Rome's system of imperial predation. And, and after all, Jesus' ministry in Luke, it begins with him calling for, remember, all debts to be canceled in the year of Jubilee, the year of the Lord's favor. We find that in the very beginning in Luke 18, verse 19. Jesus' gospel of the kingdom called for debts to be canceled and for the Torah practices of the land that they had lost through their indebtedness to be given back to, to the original owners, for indentured slaves to be set free, for all that debt to be canceled. And this debt was how the system was uh, keeping, uh, how it was continuing to funnel uh, money away from the commoners and the poor to to the wealthy. It was it was the it was what kept the masses permanently dependent, and the few elites as as just the simple continual recipients of this unending funneled wealth. Jesus's solution was simply to cancel all the debts as the Torah had taught. And his kingdom, it wasn't about saying, a, a, remember, it wasn't, you know, the, the traditional gospel that we think of today. It wasn't about saying a special prayer so you could go to heaven when you died. It, it was a life-giving system in the here and now, a way of organizing society and a way of living and relating to one another as neighbor, um, as an alternative to Rome's system of economic extraction. And in Luke's gospel, we also encounter what we call today Mary's Magnificat. It comes just after uh, you know, our, our, our reading this week. And in that, 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 in, in that section of Luke, Mary proclaims he has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. When you understand this and its uh, predatory context, economically predatory context, this makes so much sense. Also, the, the words of Simeon in Luke chapter 2 are similar. It, the, the, he, Simeon proclaimed, this child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel. The falling is the elite, the rich rulers, and the rising of the many, that's the poor and the, and the hungry. And repeatedly in Luke, Jesus calls his listeners to reject Rome's predatory system and embrace the kingdom instead. You find an example of this in Luke 12, 13-31. Jesus says things to those benefiting from Rome's system like, Watch out! 
be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. That's Luke 12, 15. But the word for greed here, Thayer defines it as covetousness. It's the desire to have more, and specifically, it's the desire to have what others have. In other words, it's that extraction process. That's what greed is. It is the insatiable desire for what belongs to another person. This is exactly what was happening at that time. The wealthy elite were insatiable. They were extracting everything the masses had, their money, their land, their labor, themselves. And they did all of that just to enrich themselves. The Roman power brokers, they ran after these things. But Jesus tells his listeners, seek first his kingdom and all that you need will be given to you. That's Luke 12, 31 again, same chapter. But today, we here in the U.S., we live in a dead economy with many experiencing only a subsistence living, uh, debts that have made people today dependent on the very system that exploits them. And I wonder how Luke's gospel would read if it was written for us today. Now, further in Luke's gospel, Jesus critiques his society too. In Luke 14, he gives the parable of the banquet illustrating a preferential option for the societally marginalized. In the, in the parable of the manager who cooked the books in Luke 16, um, we, this is a manager who, who changed the books for when his unsustainable situation ran out. And Jesus declares you can't serve both God and money there. And the saying makes perfect sense in its social context. And Luke 16 also includes the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, which ends by calling the living to listen to the, the law and the prophets, the law and its debt forgiveness and the prophet's critique of economic extraction. This is the context in which we also need to understand this challenge for us today of Luke's virgin birth. Jesus' alternative, his, his, his vision for human society, that was in competition. Jesus' kingdom was in competition with the Roman system. And as difficult as it may be for our post-enlightenment minds to grapple with, if Jesus' kingdom was to be, compete in that world, Jesus had to be put on the same standing as Caesar. Every Caesar around the time of Jesus, from Julius, Augustus, Tiberius, they were all considered to be a son of God, even divine themselves. In true Hellenistic fashion, they were each born of human mothers who had basically, in in the Greek literature, one night stands with one of Rome's gods. Judaism's culture at that time, it's the time that Luke was written, it was, it was a kind of purity culture. And those who were raised in Christian purity cultures today, you know something about these kinds of cultures. What better way for Jewish Jesus followers living under Rome at that time to place Jesus on the same level of the Caesars, but different than for Jesus' mother Mary to also conceive and give birth 
but for that conception to be a, a miraculous conception where Mary is a virgin and 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 Mary conceives sexlessly by the Holy Spirit. And yet now we have once again a son of God, human mother, born of the divine. In our culture today, it's easy for us to, I think, fixate on the on the virgin birth scientifically and grapple with it and debate it and and just chuck it because it doesn't make much scientific sense. But the narrative in Luke's gospel, it's not a science presentation. Luke's world was one where the supernatural was taken for granted. And in that context, the virgin birth narrative was an economic and political critique of Rome's predation and extraction. It presented Jesus' alternative social vision. And the gospel of the kingdom rooted in the golden rule and enemy love and nonviolence and resource sharing or wealth redistribution as restoration and reparations. It, it, it was a social vision where people committed to take care of one another as the objects of God's love and, and making sure that each person had what they needed to, to thrive. And to do this, Jesus had to be seen as equal to, if not greater than even the Caesars. So this brings me to our context today. Today we live in an economic system with a wealth gap that's growing exponentially. It's a complex system where the little... It's a complex system where the little that people have is being extracted from them more and more and channeled into the pockets of those who already have more than they could ever possibly use. This Advent, what is Jesus' gospel of the kingdom in Luke saying to each of us? How is it calling us to take up the work of making our world a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Each of us, we have to remember we're part of one another. Each of us bears the image of the divine. Each is the object of a of a divine love that Jesus' kingdom calls us to participate in for them, too, to make sure they have enough. Heart Group application this week. Share something that spoke to you from this week's eSight or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, as Advent wraps up and we move into Christmas, what beautiful things in our world do you see arriving? Talking about Advent, arriving at the present time. What social changes are you thankful for this year? What social changes presently taking place inspire you to keep working instead for change? Things that still need to be done. Discuss those with your group. And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Thanks for checking in with us today. I want to say a special thank you to all of our supporters out there. If you'd like to join them in supporting Renewed Heart Ministries work, you can do so by going to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and clicking Donate. Whether you make a one-time donation or you become one of our monthly sustaining partners, we have some special thank you gifts at this time of year that we'd like to send you. Also remember... All donations during these last few weeks of 2023 are being matched dollar for dollar. Makes your support of our ministry go twice as far. You can find Renewed Heart Ministries on X or Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Meta's new threads. 
If you haven't done so already, please follow us on your chosen social media platforms for our daily posts. And also, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please take a moment this week to like and subscribe and leave us a a positive review there as well. This helps others find this podcast also. And you can watch our new YouTube show called Just Talking Each Week, where Todd Leonard and I take a moment to talk about the gospel lectionary reading for the upcoming weekend. Uh, We'll be talking about each reading in the context of love and inclusion and societal justice. Our hope is that our talking will be just, as in justice, but that also during our brief conversation, something might be said that might inspire you along with us to do more than just talking. So if you teach from the lectionary each week, or if you're just looking for some thoughts on the Jesus story from a more progressive perspective within the context of social justice, check it out. You might like it. You can find Just Talking each week on youtube.com forward slash at Herbin Todd Just Talking. Please like, subscribe, hit the notification button, leave us a comment there. And if you'd like to reach us here at Renewed Heart Ministries through email, you can reach us at info at renewedheartministries.com. My new book, Finding Jesus, a story of a fundamentalist preacher who unexpectedly discovered the social, political, and economic teachings of the Gospels, is now also available at renewedheartministries.com, right where you are this week. Keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working toward justice And whatever holiday you're celebrating this season. Happy holidays to all of you from us here at Renewed Heart Ministries. I love each of you dearly. I'll see you next week.